Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rob Moore here with part two of how to set up, grow and scale your business. So we covered steps one to four and we have steps five to nine left to cover. Now, if you haven't already listened to the first part of this, which is how to set up, grow and scale your business part one, I think you probably want to go back there first. So pause me, go back there, listen to it. I'll pause so you can go back there and listen to it. Hi, welcome back. If you've just come back, haven't listened to it. All right then, so step five. In fact, let me just summarize steps one to four. Not go through every single one, but what the steps are. So step one is discovering your vision and values first before you start, scale, grow, sell your business. Step two is working out what things come up frequently and consistently, which nag away at you that you could monetize that you know you're meant to do and how to do that. Step three is actually creating your product and service and going live. And then step four is your values, vision, mission, culture, the VVMC of this now real enterprise with probably staff and a, a culture and a feeling and, you know, something physical and tangible. All right, then. So step five is to create a community, database, fans, followers, customers. So, you know, the world's different now. Yeah, you're going to have fans, you can have followers, you can have community members, you can have people who like you, you can have people who unlike you. There'll be the middle finger button soon coming up live, won't there, in, in Facebook. So, you know, it's not just about subscribers anymore or customers that work into your shop. And so step one of step five is to have, make sure you have multi-platform strategies. Now, I've done some videos on this on my Rob Moore Progressive Facebook page, so you can have a look there. This isn't to go into details. This is the checklist. But make sure you've got email subscribers, physical customers, referrals and recommendations, affiliates. You've got people on Facebook, people on Twitter, people on Snapchat, people on LinkedIn, people on Reddit, blah, 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 blah. Because they're all, you know, they're, they, you may get all your demographics within those, but there'll be different demographics and psychographics within those demographics. So the more, more multimedia you have, you know, you have video like YouTube, you have audio like podcast. You have diverse communities, fans, followers, subscribers. And the podcast has been great for me for that because I think it's now 140-something countries that we've got listeners in. And, you know, when we started in a small town called Peterborough or Petersborough, as people outside England call it, you know, we didn't really have anyone outside the UK that was a customer. So, you know, can you use platforms that go globally very quickly as well? All right, step two then is you want to leverage all the free ones. So I'm really very much an advocate of free marketing and advertising first because there's low risk, you can test, and um, you know, you're obviously your ROI is infinite other than your time. And there are so many free ones that are so scalable and leverageable now anyway. And, you know, I listed some of them, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat. You know, there's, there'll be new ones coming out all the time. So leverage all the free ones and, and get your platforms and profiles and um, handles and URLs and usernames, get all of those set up, get, you know, get the pages even just started and part populated. You can get a, an outsourcer to do that. 
because you know when your 15 minutes of fame comes and you know when you get uh, something that goes big and viral for you the easier you are to find online on google on amazon on facebook on the the big search engines you know the the, the more sort of flies you might catch if you think in terms of that regard all right so step 3 then is to be visible and credible on all the main engines so you know you've got google you've got amazon you've got facebook you know, what are the main top five or 10 engines, you know, the, the sites that get the most views and hits and searches in the world? Wikipedia, maybe. Uh, have a little bit of research and get yourself visible and credible on all of those. You want people to find you easily. You want to dominate that. And of course, it also stops people who, you know, might have something negative or critical to say about you from dominating your own pages. Number four, then, is to give information freely to build goodwill. Now, this is called content marketing. You don't even have to have a marketing hat on to do this. You know, when I did the podcast, because I didn't need the money, because I don't need to make it a business, I could do it as a labor of love whereby I'm able to give and share and, um, you know, have no pressure to sell, which is nice because maybe then, you know, one is more focused on information rather than trying to get someone to buy something. And that builds a lot of goodwill. And, you know, this, this podcast has probably now made me seven figures and I don't sell on it. But, you know, it's got far wide reach and that's a great thing to do. And I think one of the things that will help you be the most future proof, the most recession proofed is to just go out there and be valuable to people. Educate them in your market, in what you know, what you're an expert in. You know, people call it positioning yourself as an expert or branding yourself as an expert. You know, you don't call yourself an expert, but... You know, if you share what you know to the people who you know need and want what you know and you become the authority in that, you know, that's as much goodwill as goodwill that a business or an enterprise can hold. And um, quite a few people I've been interviewing on my podcast, uh, Joe Vellante, who won The Apprentice, and Matt Januszek, who's coming soon, who's got a $40 million a year global fitness business. You know, I think they're really keen now to get more into this world of building their own brand and goodwill. And that will stand the test of time, no matter what company you're in. You know, if you sell your company in the future, you can still got your own brand that you own and no one can, you know, no one can take that away from you. So that's really valuable. So start giving free information. Maybe start with a weekly blog or a, we- a weekly podcast or, you know, maybe some nice, long, detailed Facebook posts that you share or some live feed videos even if you've got a massive chin and ginger beard like I seem to have on the videos. Get out there, do it. Get over yourself and just go and do it. All right, then, number five is make it easy for people to follow you, to like you, to opt in and to get your information. So remove those barriers to entry. Don't make it difficult. That might mean you need to learn a bit of SEO. That might mean you need to declutter some of your web pages and just have them as opt-in pages rather than just really busy information overload pages. Just make it really easy and have the low resistance for people to follow you, like you, opt into you, buy from you, find your store, you know, whether it's physical or online. Now we start to sort of step it up a bit. The assumption at this point, we're still, by the way, in step five, but now the assumption is you've got a bit of marketing budget. You've got some pounds or dollars or yen or whatever to invest back. Now, Mark and I, Mark Homer and I, my business partner, we like to keep at least seven figures of retained profit. So profits we've made that we haven't drawn. We like to keep minimum a million pounds, if not more, in the bank in retained earnings so that we've got money to reinvest back into marketing. 
And whilst it's good to be kind of leveraging free marketing platforms, I think one of the things that held me back from growing in the not early days, but maybe in the the middle of our journey was that we had money, retained profits, some drawn profits and money we'd saved. And um, we didn't invest as much into marketing to generate the future business because, you know, you get to a point where you've kind of leveraged all all you can with free. And then you need to start doing pay-per-click. You know, you need to start doing banner advertising, paid uh, sends. um, It's called CPA or affiliate marketing. And um, that's really the next stage of growth. Now, you want to set a budget each month for that. Now, if you're starting on your budget, it's £50 a month or $50 a month. That's cool. It's it's something, isn't it? You know, you start and, and you do some testing from that. That's quite okay just to start on really small. But you want to try and up that budget each time you get an ROI. You want to track it all. I gave you some measurements in the last part one podcast. And, you know, your goal is basically to try and spend more and more and more and more without getting the diminishing law of returns. So you want to get into paid advertising as soon as you can without being wasteful. And then number seven is get into as many marketing channels as possible. In addition to all the free resources I mentioned You've got Facebook pay-per-click, you've got Google pay-per-click, you've got YouTube pay-per-click, you've got YouTube um, sort of banner ads, you've got direct response marketing, so you've got, you know, things that you send out in the post. You can rent sends to other people's databases they send on your behalf. There's so many, and, you know, the the more of those you can do, the more your competition aren't, the, the more people you can get to, obviously, the more money you can make, obviously. But it also de-risks you because if, if you're reliant on one marketing source, whether it's word of mouth or, you know, one particular engine and something changes in that, you know, they always say don't they, the algorithm change and everyone moans about that. And that's happened a lot in the past when you had Facebook likes, many that people had bought, you know, you had a big audience. And then almost overnight when an algorithm changed, it was like your reach went maybe only to five or 10 percent of the audience you paid for. You know, that's pretty drastic. So if you're reliant on one source heavily, that's risky, like being reliant on one supplier. So if you can have multimedia strategies and if you're instead of having 20 clients from one platform, if you had one client from 20 platforms, you're completely de-risked. You can do some testing. You can scale some up. So you want to discover as many marketing channels as possible. Now, don't go in and spend all your money straight away. That's a waste of time and resource and risky. But just start testing them. And um, brand marketing, I wouldn't recommend, is one of those yet. Don't do that until you've got money to burn and you've exhausted most of the direct response marketing strategies. So save that one for later. Okay, step six then is the personal and the business brand. And step one of that is to increase the value of your brand, both within and without of your company. So I'm often asked from people, you know, what should my brand be? Should it be my business or me? And I personally think in today's modern world where the personal brand can often have as much value as the corporate brand, but the corporate brand are inclusive and exclusive of each other. I believe you should have both. Now, I don't often share regrets because even mistakes I've made have led to good things. And I like to try and be as positive as I can. But if there was one thing I definitely would change and maybe I do regret a bit is I put my personal brand on pause for about five or six years. When Mark and I started our first main company, Progressive Property, in 2006 stroke seven, I think. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector. I'm a watch investor. And those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. 
My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United, and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him, I've used him for many years, and recently we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. Incorporated Jan 2007. I was a life coach at the time and I had a full kind of life coaching practice and I was very much into personal development and that's where I really wanted to go. And Mark was like, well, wait a minute, what are you, Rob? Are you a, you know, are you a, a personal development guy, a life coach, you know, which is quite touchy-feely, or are you a property guy? It's quite sort of money. And um, it kind of lent me to choosing property. And I don't regret that at all. You know, that property makes us tens of millions now, you know, eight figures a year. Hey, you know, no regrets. But for five or six years, I basically paused investing time into my own personal brand. I put it all into Progressive. And then sort of five years ago, mine and Mark's and Progressive's brand were really interlinked such that you wouldn't come to a Progressive event if Rob or Mark weren't there because we were too dependent within the brand. So that caused its own problems. So then we went on sort of like a a long-term get Mark and I out of the brand and brand ourselves individually, which of course this podcast and my books and other things are now, you can now see there's a clear difference. I mean, you know, some of you listening will know me through Progressive, but many of you won't. But what I should have done is just kept my own personal brand in the background, agreed to Mark that I was all business in Progressive because he wanted my loyalty and um, he wanted me to put my flag in the ground, but there would have been nothing to stop me writing blogs and articles, evenings and weekends and putting out good content and just making sure I've got all the platforms set up and, you know, well populated with my videos and photos and image quotes and whatever else. And had I done that, you know, I might have had a million or two million or five million followers rather than tens of thousands. I might have on, you know, my Facebook page, I might have millions of subscribers on the podcast instead of just 365,000. Don't want to sound like I'm, I'm not grateful, but, you know, and because and, five years is a lot of time and you can get a lot of organic reach with that because, you know, if there's 30 or 40 or 50 people that might find you every week organically, well, that soon compounds. And as it gets bigger, it gets bigger, it gets bigger, it gets bigger, you get like this snowball effect. So summary then, have a personal brand, have a company or corporate brand, keep them separate. They might link. They might be very similar at first. You might, your personal brand might only be talking about what your company does for now. And that's okay. But set up all the different media and platform for both, which is step two. So have platforms on both company and personal on all these profiles. So step three, which is kind of referring back to something I said in step one, which is don't make the company reliant on you, because if it's reliant on you, it won't scale. And that's the classic self-employed mistake where it's like, you know, your customers want you. They'll only buy from you. You know, you have to do all the admin, you file in your own tax returns. You know, you're just doing everything. And um, not only is that bad for really not being why you got into the business and reducing it's scale, but um, it's also very risky because if, you know, if, for example, you, something might happen to, to you 
health, emotional, or even just sort of, you know, reputational. And if your company doesn't need the brand of you, it can scale, it can sell, and it can be protected reputationally. There's so many benefits of that. Read uh, Built to Sell and Scaling Up. They're two great books that will help you kind of what's uh, basically scale, grow, get yourself out of the business, make it more systemized. So that would be step three. Don't make the company reliant on you. And, and, and often you have to get your ego out of the way because you might have some pride around being great at what you do and everything that you've set up in your business and everyone bowing down to king you. So there's, you know, letting other people be better, letting them make mistakes. It's all part of growth. And um, everyone, when they start, thinks they can't do it or it's really difficult. But anyone who's scaled more than a one-man band has done it, and you can do it too. Step four, then, is give valuable information out on all of these platforms for free and look after and care for your communities, your fans, your followers. Step five is to be clear on your vision and values, what you are and what you're not. Step six is to balance new innovations with existing proven platforms. Now, I did a lot of discussion with this with Matt Janicek on my, um, I said did because I've done it, but it's not been released yet. So this will be in two or three weeks time, this podcast coming out. I interviewed Matt Janicek, who's got a $40 million a year global fitness business. And of course, in the fitness world, there's loads of innovations and everything's getting reinvented every year. And there's a new Bulgarian bag or kettlebell or some kind of magic formula or pill to make you look sexy fast. And um, I find that really interesting. And I love the idea of being in an industry where you can almost reinvent every year or two because, you you know, you've always got a solution to a problem and you've always got a new product or service. But if you're at the cold face of disruption and innovation, you can be too early. But if you're doing the same old things year and year over and over that's bread and butter, maybe you're not growing fast enough and you're reaching new customers. So you want to balance disruption and innovation with existing proven models and formulae within your business and model. And then step seven of step six is embrace digital early and focus on building a marketing team fast. So, you know, there are digital marketing agencies now, you know, all these online platforms. And um, I remember a day when Facebook would be really not that great for getting us leads for our business. That People were very much conversational and social on Facebook. But then now there's so many business pages, groups, private secret groups. They're all over the place. And digital is a huge part of our marketing now, of course. You'll remember when you used to go online for everything, but now more, there's more traffic on mobile than there is on you know, a tablet or a PC or, you know, or a Mac. So you really want to embrace digital. And if there's the most important function in business, which I've done a podcast on already, I believe it's marketing. Because without marketing, you have no sales. Without sales, you have no business. So you want to focus on whether it's outsourced or or insourced, building this marketing team first. Now, you might start with one generalist marketer who is literally the strategist and the tactician and he's managing all your platforms if marketing isn't your passion. Or you might start breaking people down into their individual things. So we've got we've got head of Twitter, we've got head of our ambassador program, and we've got you know we've got really niche team members within our team. All right, then great. So that's step five and six done. Step seven is the main functions of a business. So the seven main functions of a business are one marketing, 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 marketing. Two is vision and innovation. So the future tomorrow's pound, tomorrow's profit, future-proofing your business. The third function is sales. The fourth function is accounting. The fifth function is finance. The sixth function is HR stroke recruitment. 
Seventh function is administration. And the 7.1 or 7.5 function is leadership or speaking. So let me just recount those. It's just the main functions of a business that, you know, of course, if you've got a big enterprise, you, you get this. And there might even be some, there might be research and development if you're a bigger company. You know, there might there may be different functions if you're a lot bigger, but the, the seven and a half main ones, marketing, vision and innovation, sales, accounting, finance, HR and recruitment, admin, and leadership stroke, uh, speaking, you know, presenting. Have you got all of those ticked? When you start your business and there's you, you might be head of marketing, head of vision innovation, head of sales, head of accounting, you know, big long email signature of yours. But your goal would be to hire out or to outsource in all of those areas as quickly as possible. I have a quick drink. Well, before we go on to step eight, I realised I do speak fast. I actually, because I wanted to work out where I got to at the end of part one. For the first time ever, I actually listened to my own podcast and it was on one and a half time speed because that's how quickly I listened to the podcast I listened to. I thought, man, I sound like aggressive. You know, the, the, mu- the intro music is down in heavy metal. I sound aggressive. I really don't sound like that in real life. I don't know, maybe I'm just being a bit self-aware. All right, don't ever listen to yourself. It's, it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> Okay, then step eight is managing yourself and building your team. Now, to manage your business, you must manage yourself and you can't manage your business effectively until you manage yourself. You can't can't grow your business effectively until you grow yourself. So step one of managing yourself and building your team is creating a routine that works for you. So your daily routines, your highs and lows and ebbs and flows of energy, compartmentalizing your diary, blocking out time for important things that aren't just business, but give you that sort of longevity and sustainability where you don't burn yourself out. Your key result areas, your KRAs, your income generating tasks, your IGTs, your key performance indicators, your KPIs. I get asked a lot about the vision, the values, the KRAs, the IGTs, the KPIs. You've heard me talk about them a lot. If you haven't read Life Leverage, page 99 to 123 of Life Leverage, it's the most detailed chapter I've certainly ever seen, and because I intended it to be, around building your own five-step life model of knowing how to plan your day, your week, your hour, your five-minute, your year, and your lifetime into chunks, knowing that it's focused in the right area. Sorry if you can hear my son kicking off there. Probably lost one of his cars, although I'd be like that if I did. So 99 to 129 in Life Leverage, you know, make sure that you've got clear key result areas for you, not just your team. You know your highest income generating tasks, which are valuable using 80-20 principle where they're five times as valuable as the next one and focus them in order. What are your key performance indicators, i.e. What are the, what's the feedback metrics which tells you you're doing the right key result areas and you're doing the right IGTs, otherwise how do you know? Okay, step two, which I kind of mentioned briefly, is to compartmentalise your time. So, you know, for example, I'll do content and um, doing things like this and writing and sort of helping my communities and adding value and content marketing between 6 and 8.30. That's when I feel the most on fire, energised, inspired, uh, where I seem to be the most creative. And I know that by 8.30, if I didn't do any work for the rest of the day, which I mostly don't, then everything I need to do is done. And if I put that time in from three till half five, I'd get like one tenth of the um, things achieved because that's a lower energy point for me. So compartmentalize your time and your diary. Never manage yourself, always have your diary manage you. Make sure your key result areas and your income generating tasks are always booked in the diary a week in advance, a month in advance, a year in advance on recurring. 
Step three then is to manage and master your emotions, which is being disciplined, which is being a leader, which is always taking a little bit of time to calm down before you spit fire all over your team. It's to get advice from good counsel. It's to think strategically about the outcome of what you want to achieve rather than making yourself feel better through venting. And that can be positive and negative, by the way. Sometimes when you're feeling good, you can get everyone involved in something and waste their time. Sometimes, obviously, if you're feeling not good, you can react at someone and upset them and, you know, their productivity for the next week could go off a cliff. So managing and mastering your own emotions means managing and mastering your business. Step five is using your, sorry, step four is using your non-monetary assets when you don't have cash. So if you bootstrap and, you know, you haven't got a lot of cash when you start up, what are your non-monetary assets? They could be time, they could be passion, they could be enthusiasm, they could be contacts, they could be skills that you've got that you could contra. And I'll do this for you as a service. If you do this for me as a service, we can benefit each other without having any money exchanging hands. It might be um, some... It could be lots of different things. In fact, as an exercise, get a piece of paper, put a line down the middle, write A in one column, NA in another column. NA is non-assets, so the things you think you haven't got might be money, might be experience, whatever. And then in your assets column, try and list 30, 40 or 50 things you've got. Time, resources, passion, energy, uh, lots of friends, contacts, some business people you know, some systems, some other expertise in different areas which you can transmute across into this business. Actually do that exercise because it's great for your self-worth as well. Now, non-monetary assets, especially when you start, are as important or more important than cash assets. And a lot of people blame cash as the reason they don't, don't start or can't quit their job or don't scale. There's a big downside to taking cash, and that is obviously the cost of repayment, the increased overhead, the increased responsibility. So use your NM, your non-monetary assets, where possible. Step five, help people, add value, look to do joint ventures, look to have partnerships, because one plus one definitely equals 2.2 or three or infinity when it comes to partnerships and joint ventures, affiliations. You know, Richard Branson's very famous of doing joint ventures. We, you know, he's done joint ventures with credit card companies, with healthcare clubs, and that's a great way to scale. Step six, don't wait until you're completely maxed out and everything's breaking before you leverage, scale, outsource, hire, create your systems. Because it, when you get to that point of maxed out, yes, you might have been lean on the overhead, but you'll get stressed, you'll make bad decisions. You then won't be able to do the strategy and the vision as well as the operation and the day-to-day because you're doing too much day-to-day. If you feel like you've not been able to scale or grow because you don't feel you've got time because you're always in the day-to-day, you've maxed yourself out. So don't wait till you're maxed before you scale and leverage, outsource, hire, systemize. Step seven is merging passion and profession, vocation and vacation where possible to make your lifestyle match your business and enterprise. So for example, nearly every time I take Bobby to you know, world championships or somewhere across the globe to do his golf, I'll book in and get a paid keynote speech or I'll run a speaker course or a book writing boot camp or I'll run some kind of course and, you know, sometimes I'll only just do it for sort of 20 or 30 people and it might be two to five thousand pounds that, that they pay. But that pays for the trip and a little bit of profit. And it's and it's something I love to do. And 
I think it's a really great thing to merge passion, profession, vocation, vacation. Can you travel and take your laptop and work abroad? Could you be this digital nomad who travels around the world on his phone and his Mac and does things that you love and goes to places you want to go but can still run your enterprise so you don't have to sort of be all work or then have this massive sabbatical and then lose sort of ground in your career? And then step eight, and this is really important, shamelessly plug with passion everything you do. Tell everyone what you do. Tell them over and over again. Launch, relaunch, relaunch, relaunch. Remind, 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 remind. Not in a naggy, annoying way, but in a passionate, enthusiastic way. Because if you don't do it, why is anyone else going to do it? And you need to give it that bit of a kickstart. All right, then. So this is the final step. Step nine. And step nine is general. So general challenges or things to be aware of. Remember, this is like your checklist. So we've literally done nine steps of around nine steps each. So about 80 different things, a checklist and system to start, grow and scale your business. So step one is accept challenges. Don't wish them away. Don't stick your head in the sand. Solve them, grow through them, embrace them, enjoy them. The better you deal with challenges, the more your enterprise will grow and the better you'll beat your competition. Don't be delusional. This is get rich super quick or that it'll be easier than the last time. The challenges will just manifest into different forms. So you've got to be clear on your vision and values and what you're doing this for. Expect challenges, deal with them, enjoy them. Step two is if you keep asking your customers good questions and you care about them, business is easy. You can give them what they want. You can give them what they need. You can care for them. You can grow. You can always create new products and services that make life easier, better, faster. It's actually a simple model. You just keep asking your questions to your customers, good questions. You care for them enough to listen to them. You don't just create products that you want. You create products that your, you know, your customers are dying for that they really need, even if it wasn't something you visioned yourself doing at the start. If you care enough about them, your business will always grow and, you know, and it will always make a big difference. Step three is you've got to think long term. Is this decision not just right now, but right for the next three, five and ten years in the future? Uh, you know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and that's okay. But if you don't think for the long term, the biggest mistake you could make is not thinking for the long term. Stay patient, even if your progress doesn't seem like it's going that quick. Very important. Will this decision impact or affect positively or negatively the next three, five or 10 years? You know, you've got so many things you could do, so many partnerships you could do, so many customers you could take. I had a customer that sent me one email that was a bit blunt. And um, I'd I spent a lot of time with him and I helped him a lot and made myself really available. And yes, my um, service of being mentored by me is not cheap. And I get that to some people that's a lot of money. But I was being very helpful and very clear. And I'd given him, I'd given him help before he paid money and before he officially started. And he questioned my tone. And I just said, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sort of saying this is bad because, you know, we've still, we still got a good relationship. But I just would say, you know, well, if, if you're questioning what I do, maybe it's not right for you. You're more than welcome to a refund. He accepted the refund. All things good, because I was thinking, how is this going to affect the next year, three years, five years? And also, I don't need the money, and I've got a five-month waiting list anyway. So, you know, feel free to do that. Don't get emotional about that. Feel free to say no. Feel free to make decisions that you know in the long term will be better, even if they feel like they're not in the short term. We've all taken money off a customer where it's not been right, and it's ended up costing you more money. And that's not to knock the customer. It just might not be a right fit. Number four, contribute to a community, your industry, your publications, you know, give value, write articles, write personal replies, you know, sign books and, you know, keep things personal, contribute to an individual as well as a big group. Keep doing that, you'll keep growing. Step five, focus on serving and solving, not just making money and, um, you know, getting the things that you want in business. Keep overhead low, 
without being too tight and don't rush to raise finance externally because whilst getting cash in the business is good, you've got increased overhead, you've got other people that you're beholden to. So don't be quick to do that and really think about the long-term consequences of that. You know, if someone gave me a million quid and they wanted to share in my business, well, actually, they'd have to give me 50 million quid for it to be worth it. So let's say they gave me 50 million quid and let's say they took a small share of Progressive and maybe they took a share less than, it was, than they were really due or it was really worth, let's say for 10%. Well, in 10 years, am I still going to think that that's a good decision? Or am I going to be paying them a load of money and thinking that, yeah, it was a good decision back then, but maybe it's not now. So don't rush in creating debt. The longer you do things in business, step seven, the easier it gets. So keep on keeping on. Let the snowball effect, the momentum effect, the compounding effect kick in. The longer you do it, the easier it gets. Step eight, get mentors, go on courses, keep reading, listening, learning. Don't do it on your own because you don't know what you don't know. Get external help, get the five people around you, masters in business, in finance, in your niche, in your industry. Have counsel, have people to speak to, have people to rant at, have people to sort of just, for catharsis, just blur out and make yourself feel better. Have people to bounce ideas off, really important. Step nine, don't listen to or get sucked into arguing with critics, haters, trolls. Sure, get feedback. Sure, watch what people are doing to grow and improve, but don't get sucked into time-draining arguments. Step 10, which is a but to step nine, always seek to get feedback to grow and improve. And you learn as much from your critics as you do from your fans. So listen where it's fair and reasonable, not emotional. Always look to improve. Step 11, don't procrastinate or deny or beat an ostrich about real big problems, roll up your sleeves, eat the frog, get in and sort it out. You have a much higher value if you're able to sort out bigger problems. So the bigger things, the frogs, the things that you really don't want to do that you're putting off, stop putting them off, go do them right now. Number 12 of the last step is know when to say yes and know when to say no. And you're learning all the time, so you're not always going to get that right, but sometimes saying no is as important as saying yes. And then step 13, get accurate and up-to-date management accounts and key performance indicators as soon as you can, ideally two weeks in arrears, a month at worst. So important to track what you do so that then you can feed all of that data back to improving your systems processes within your business. So I hope you enjoyed part two of how to set up, grow, scale your business. If you've got any feedback, please do share it. You can private message me on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Rob Moore Progressive. This will probably be the last time I mention this because it's virtually full now. But remember, I am doing a special offer where uh, subscribers of mine can get tickets to Business and Lifestyle Summit at no cost. And these aren't these usual free courses, which have, you know, 58 sales in them every two minutes. You know, this is an event I do normally genuinely charge up to four figures for. So, I mean, a thousand or two thousand pounds. Now, this is a UK event, so I know I've got 140 different countries of subscribers and we won't be streaming this one, so I'll keep something for you in the future. But if you share my podcast on your social media or any of your, you know, you email your database or you, know, you just get the message out, the link to the podcast, then I will give you two free tickets to Business Lifestyle Summit. I've got many of my multi-millionaire friends, some very big, famous business celebrities coming. I'll be doing two or three sections and keynote speeches. I guarantee you that at the end of those two days, whilst being a bit overloaded in your brain, 
You will have more strategy, systems, belief, vision, tactics to build and grow and scale your business, make it global maybe, get better at marketing, better at sales, better at vision, be clear about what your business is and your model is, uh, and just have really a a path paved to go and do everything that you do what you want to do in your business, merging your passion and profession. So thanks very much. This has been Rob Moore. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.